welcome back to another episode of the Books Brothers Podcast, where each week we read, discuss, and challenge each other to become better men, and have a few laughs in the process. The Books Brothers are wrapping up reading The Mask of Masculinity, how men can embrace vulnerability, create strong relationships, and live their lives to the fullest, written by Lewis Howes. This week, Garrett leads our discussion of the conclusion chapter and the recap of the book as a whole. The guys also preview the next book they're reading for season two. After the show, please share your comments and feedback on the chapters by emailing us at connect at booksbrotherspodcast.com. Do you guys see the NFL post about the new field goal percentage? Uh, like the highest field yeah. goal percentage in NFL history? Yeah, Young Huku or whatever is 90% above Justin yeah. Tucker at 89.9. Yeah, we got a new leader. Minimum 100 attempts. Yeah. I saw it on NFL's like, Instagram. But then one of the uh, comments on that post is, as a fellow Asian, I guarantee his parents want to know what happened to the other 10%. dude i love reading the comments more than anything that's incredible that's great the comments are gold we have finished our eighth book together the mask of masculinity is the first book we've recorded and published though This week, we'll recap not just the concluding paragraph, but our thoughts on the book as a whole. Then we'll preview the next book we plan to read, what to expect, and how you can join alongside us. Lewis Howe shared that the idea behind the book was a pain point in his life. Despite having success and appearing happy on the outside, he felt alone and empty on the inside. He shared his process of discovering and subsequently removing each mask, Through one-on-one coaching, spiritual meditation retreats, deep conversations, trial and error, and hard work through time made him the man he is today. The difference it's made has not only helped him personally, but also with serving others and impacting others. He shares an excerpt from a TED Talk that's impacted him, where the speaker states that there are really only two things a person really cares about on his deathbed. One, that life is all about relationships, both loving others and being loved. And two, that he can look back on his life and know he made a difference. He ends the book more or less giving a one-sentence rebuttal towards the myth behind each mask he discussed and instead offers ideas behind what real masculinity is. One where a man is seeking win-win situations and lifts others up serves others, and ultimately seeks to positively maximize each relationship in his life. He challenges each reader to pay forward what he's learned as he removes one mask at a time. And guys, I feel what we have done with this podcast, both with reading this and sharing our experiences, I I feel like we've done that, uh, paying it forward. So for the last time with this book, let's dive in to our final set of questions and discussions about the Mask of masculinity. So which mask do you feel like you have most identified with? Rob, I know you mentioned as we prepared for this call that the mask you kind of grew up wearing or I'd most identified with might be different than the mask you currently most identify with. So feel free to take that question any way you want to answer it. 
but which mask do you feel you have most identified with? Am I going to be the tool bag that says I identify the most with the alpha mask? Well, clearly it's Joker since I just said that with you know, joking <laughs> tone. <laughs> I think uh, just getting a lot of like self-worth off out of like, uh, you know, external things like work and, you know, titles and, you know, muscle stuff like that, I think is, uh, you know, I talked about that in that episode, just, uh, wearing the, the mask to, to try to find love and thinking that I'll like find love that way. So I, I know I talked about that a little bit in the, in the, uh, episode, but I do think that, I mean, I just like to work out too. You know, I like challenging myself. I like to be uncomfortable. I like to grow and like do hard things. And so I think that overall, this book has been extremely challenging because it's made us all be very vulnerable, which is good. But I think there are good things about wearing some of these masks sometimes. But I think that for the topic of the discussions that we've been having, it's uh, been more about the the vulnerability side of it versus the like, I just enjoy to work out. I like to push myself with like new challenges in my career. And I don't think that all of those things are ne- necessarily some like childhood need that ha- wasn't met. And I need to yeah. like, you know, like, yeah, some sure. of that, some of those things are probably a little true in there. But I think some of the exercise stuff is just, uh, I don't know why I just love to work. I love to exercise. I haven't stopped moving since I was eight months old. I and mean, my brother <laughs> taught me how to walk when I was eight months old and I was running onto the soccer field and he was playing soccer and, uh, that my parents had to put me on a leash. <laughs> so I didn't run onto the field. Did you wear, did you wear a leash when you were a kid? <laughs> I did. Oh, <laughs> hey, they still got you I on one too. <laughs> I that. Uh, so funny yeah so i just like i haven't stopped moving and uh you know it's uh i i, I tend to get uncomfortable with comfort and self-sabotage that's something that i like i'm aware of and trying to figure out like how can i make myself uncomfortable in like uh healthy ways you yeah. know what I mean? I make myself really uncomfortable in doing something uh, challenging physically versus um, self-sabotaging like a romantic relationship or something. And this isn't just me. A lot of people do this. It's like you get like in this state where you kind of have everything that you want. And it's like almost a little uncomfortable that you're like at this status quo feeling, you know? Yeah. And I think that like it can be easy to almost unintentionally make things harder than they should be. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I think these are just things that as I get older, I'm just more aware of and just getting better at dimming the time between the awareness and the actually like having a negative impact from reacting. Yeah. But back to that, I guess, yeah, the alpha mask, like I, I definitely, from a vulnerability side, I do identify probably the most with from like, you know, my core, core uh, desire i guess is love and for some reason i've got this subconscious thing in my head of like you know no 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 woman's gonna love me unless i have this good job and like i'm like 
you know, higher in status. And some of those things are a little bit true though. That's just like, I, I don't think that's necessarily, yeah. but like it's, uh, it can be taken to an unhealthy extreme, like anything. So I don't know. It's, uh, obviously something I'm still kind of battling with in my own head. Just like, uh, having a balance there of, you know, you want to be like, bring something to a relationship. You don't have to your entire self-worth out of like your, uh, your title or how much money you make. Yeah. Another interesting thing is like, if a girl coming for you for your money, then she's not really coming for you for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. These, these are hard. I'm like getting hyper-focused on that aspect of it, but just, just cause I'm, you know, trying to find my person still. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's a, it's a hard thing to think about. I don't want to like have my actions in my life be around what I need to do to get X, Y, or Z. You know, I want them to be like, what do I want to do? Like, what do I actually want to do? I don't really care. Like why? It doesn't need to be around like what somebody else or like what I need to do to get something else. I mean, when everything's a means to an end. Well, I mean, I think one thing that you're hitting on there really reminded me of my response to this question is that a lot of times the things that we're really good at, we then use as as masks, as things that we hide behind or things that we we put out there as like almost like a stereotypical version of ourself that we hope that people like and we hope people like it. And it's because maybe things we like about ourselves, or we've had people like about us in the past. And so for you, it's like being someone who's very strong and who's been, you know, successful in things, you know, that often tendency has been something people have complimented you on or enjoyed. And for really, for me, there's two that I feel like I, I related to the most and it's the stoic mask and the, the know-it-all mask. When it comes to the stoic mask, um, I like that I, Sometimes I really like the fact that I don't necessarily like have my emotions on my sleeves or um, maybe I can endure challenging things. I think that component of me has helped me be better at things like long distance running. And I think that that's something I like about myself. People compliment me on. And as a result, then I have kind of internalized the idea that I have to be that way. I can't show emotions. I can't complain about things. I have to show that I'm content and happy with things. And then similarly with the know-it-all mask, because, you know, I've had a lot of education or I've, I, people maybe have complimented me in the past or have mentioned like, oh, you seem to, you know, be an intelligent person. Those are things that I seek identity in that sometimes can be a bad thing. One thing, Rob, that you mentioned as we talked about the know-it-all mask was just that having that wanting to insert your thoughts and opinions on everything, almost kind of like waiting for someone else to um, like to stop talking so we can insert what we have to say. And I really relate to that. And it's, it's uh, obviously you can too, Rob, you brought it up, but the idea that I think that part of me also enables me to maybe not listen as well, or maybe I'm someone who I, you know, maybe I may explain things a little bit too much where I interject in situations where no one's asked my opinion. And um, so I think for me, those are the ones that really stuck out. Some of the stories that, that were talked about and some of the conversations we had just for, you know, for me were things where I was like, yeah, I can see how I put identity in that. And it's things that are maybe good attributes of me, but it's also things that I rely on. And I think people like me about. And so I, maybe I try to like, demonstrate those behaviors more yeah 
that's that's all good reflection. Floods, one thing that you were saying though, I so I just came across this Lewis Howes video the other day and it was basically him interviewing somebody. I don't know who he was, but the guy was like, I don't create art for the audience because at that point I'm I'm creating something for somebody else and not the true beauty that the art was created for me. And if people want to admire and love the art, like they would truly love it because it's my own unique creation. And hearing that and then hearing you talk about like not living your life for others, like having your own life, your own body of work, be it's one of one unique piece of art just made me think of that. And so I might leave you with with that because I think it's true, man. I mean, we we are one of one and. Our life is is art, and uh, we should not be creating necessarily art for to other people's standards, right? But yeah, I don't know. That. Thinking back on this, I mean, there's so many of these masks that I think I I've, can relate to. I think the in the athlete mask definitely related to just the competitive nature of just who I am, wanting to exceed, excel, almost you know, at, um, all costs sometimes definitely have struggled with the material sexual mask when I was younger. But I think right now, kind of the Joker and the invincible is probably what I relate to the most. Just trying to grow in a level of seriousness has been something that I've been focusing on more, uh, not to like totally rid myself of who I am as wanting to have fun and tell jokes and, make people laugh. But yeah, just recognizing the timing of things has definitely been something that I've been trying to focus on more. And I think the invincible mask brought up a lot um, for me just of recklessness, carelessness, overworking stuff, definitely something I've related to a lot in my career with just the overworking piece. And that kind of ties in with the competitive, the athlete mask of just wanting strong endurance. Um, not only in the workplace, but also out. But yeah, man, just a lot of good, good reflection. Um, I know we'll get into it in question two, but I would say that's kind of where I've identified with the most. I'm trying to figure out which mask I'm not associated with the most. I mean, they, they all kind of blend together for me mostly. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of overlap. I'm thinking about us as guys and how we're similar and how all of us have. I think a certain reputation as being a nice guy, I think in college yeah. when most of us met each other, we, we were all a group. Like, I think we all sort of identified as that kind of guy, or at least I kind of felt like we did. And I think one yeah. thing that nice guys probably have in common is they wear the stoic mask a lot. Mm -hmm. So instead of expressing what's actually going on underneath, they just pretend and everything's always okay with them. And they're just going to agree with everybody to, to make sure things, you know, not rock the boat or not offend anyone. And I feel like I identify with that one a lot, the stoic mask, because I found myself kind of going back to what Fuzz said, I found myself doing a lot of things to appease everyone else around me rather than because I wanted to do them. And that puts a lot of feelings somewhere where you don't really know where they come from. But when they arise, you feel like super uncomfortable expressing them because you've conditioned yourself to be the nice guy all the time. And so I feel like between that one, the Joker mask 
and the the athlete mask is someone who's competitive and and kind of like can identify with that attitude of like you know i hate losing i think for me those mixed together are probably the ones that i identify with most i think that's the exact same for me as well really yeah joker mask stoic and then athlete when I was younger, I definitely would have said the athlete mask is what I identify most with. But now I would probably say Joker mask is what I see the most played out in my own life. Uh, and it's not really me just trying to be the funniest guy in the room. It's more of making sarcastic comments or a quick joke here and there to avoid awkward conversations or to avoid going into deep, meaningful conversations just because it's uncomfortable and I don't want to do it at that time or I'm not feeling it. And I see that a lot with my kids right now. Emily and I are constantly sarcastic with our kids, which is <laughs> kind of funny. But then you know, kids are like little mirrors and they do it right back to you. <laughs> so they are, Isn't it funny then? It is funny, but oh, it's also good. like kind of scary that they are so <laughs> sarcastic right now and they're so young. <laughs> but even then, like if there are a lot of times where we are trying to be serious with them and tell them something really important or <laughs> a, a real fact, and they're just like, no, you're joking. No. <laughs> like, yes, I, I'm telling you the truth. Uh, you're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's really fun. It's there's so much fun at this age just to be able to joke them like that. But no. thinking this book has made me think a little bit more about that. I don't want our conversations in our relationship to be purely sarcastic. I want to be able to have moments where we can get into serious conversations and I am teaching my kids when those moments are. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. Garrett, what about you? If I had to pick one, I think it has to be the athlete mask, not because I like yep. sports or whatever. I think it has to do with what I shared last week. Again, there's a lot of overlap, a lot of blending, but the concept of being good enough I think I've yeah. learned I thrive in jobs that have very clear cut benchmarks and like check marks. Like I can see tangible progress. I can see projects come to a definitive end date, things like that. And I think in athletics, there's always a winner and there's always a loser. Like there's no ambiguity. And unless you play soccer and you tie, but with, that's only yeah, in Europe, so. mask. Yeah, only in if Europe. You're not first, you're last. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Joker Mask. <laughs> uh, Joker, Joker, we do not speak yep. French. <laughs> can be second, um, third. Heck, you can even come in fifth. <laughs> um, a few years ago, a friend of mine in Denver told me that I was the most competitive person he's ever met. And this is not someone that knew me from college when I was spewing cuss words on the volleyball court or like, 
Which is just funny that, I mean, the vo- the volleyball court, you know, it's just... Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. It, it, is. <laughs> it is. Sorry. And, yeah, I'm, uh, like, I'm there with you, Garrett. I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm trying to talk to Matt's kids right now. Like, guys, this is actually a serious thing I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, let him speak. Let him speak. Um, no, I, I know. I know it's, I know it's all... Whenever, whenever your friend brought that up with you, did that surprise you? What did you think when? Yeah, that's that's where I was going with it. Is I was surprised because I was like, you you haven't you haven't been around me when I was really competitive, but as we've gone through this, it's like thing to say. Yeah, you want to see me? (laughs) I never never thought about that. But just I've been processing that, and whether I'm his most competitive friend, that's irrelevant. It's more of like. Am I way more competitive than I even realize and why? And yeah, it's this constant need of like, I need to prove myself. I need to be good enough and winning, being dominant, uh, having a tangible scoreboard that I can look at that says, I, you know, I did like, I'm better than you or something, you know, (laughs) like uh, a member at Globo gym. And uh, (laughs) like, just thinking about like, why is that identity there? And I think that is a mask that I've hid behind is I, you know, struggle with being good enough. And so if I can just be really good at a sport and that is proven tangibly through winning, um, that makes me feel good enough. So that's the one that, again, because the question made me pick one, there's a lot that I've identified with some more than others, but that one stands out. But, you know, like in the answer, you know, we're joking and there's so much overlap. So, um, but yeah, I, I thought that would be a good one of like, if you just had to pick one and I, I think that really like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of what rises to the top. I feel like, so to encourage you on that, I feel like your reflect your level of ref- reflection throughout the process of this, just this book. I mean, it's yeah. a little bit, as Fuzz mentioned, it's a little bit harder for a book than we've done. It's been, it's cool to see because I think sometimes, I think sometimes I can be cynical or pessimistic and think people don't really want to change on things that they're, Mm -hmm. that they're not as good with. And I can be that way myself. I don't, you know, and so I think it's encouraging to even hear you reflect on that. Thanks, man. Yeah. One of the company values at my employer is growth mindset. And I think that's something I've grown in is just being open to change. I think I've fallen into that trap as I've gotten older. I'm like, Oh man, I'm turning into that middle-aged guy that just kind of becomes more set in his ways. And I think having that as a company value helps bring that front to mind yeah. at my nine to five. And then things like this book club have been instrumental in yeah. feeling back those layers. Yeah. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by Cocker's Menwear. Cocker's has been providing premium <laughs> men's office dude. wear since 1969, <laughs> and they're excited to finally introduce a new line of office pants. As a big Cocker's fan, I was lucky enough to test a pair of these puppies as a beta tester. I wore them around the home office. I like to call them my fancy pants because they are revolutionary. Similar to cargo pants... These allow for ample storage by turning traditional cargo pants inside out, literally. Pockets are on the inside of your pants, and they still look like office slacks on the outside. Now you can feel tactical and look business casual at the same time. Use promo code POCKETPOOL for a generous 30% off offer. Cockers, what's on the inside of your pants? (laughs) 
And now back to the show. Moving on, House states the masculine man goes through a journey, a process of self-discovery. What do you think was the biggest thing you learned about yourself throughout this book? That nobody knows anything at all. (laughs) (laughs) Not even Socrates. (laughs) Very philosophical. (laughs) He was a real dumb (laughs) dumb. No, Garrett, I I think this book, I mean, you just hit it on, on it, man. And I was clearly joking there, but in all seriousness, though, like until you actually peel back the layers and are willing to go deep, like there's so much to learn. I mean, Marianne uses like words like core wounds and and things like that and thomas you're you were always talking about like where where do you think that comes from like where where do you think we learn that as as guys and just the ability to go deep and truly like get at the core and the root of something to like understand where you learned that where that might have affected you in your life and how it's still affecting you today i think for me, the biggest thing is there's always an opportunity to go deeper. There's always an opportunity to understand where something occurred, how you're impacted by it, how you're impacting others. And if you want to go deep, it's it's there for the taking. And if you want to remain stoic, then clearly you're not going to fulfill the title of the book, which is embracing vulnerability and creating deep lasting relationships yeah it's some of it's going to remain the core wound stuff is it's tough i did not believe in a lot of that stuff when i was younger the like whole idea that you know your childhood shapes who you are when you're older i just thought that was like victim mindset to the max and i just didn't ever want to even go there and uh you know through my divorce and trying to salvage anything through counseling and then that not working out, and then I actually did counseling for myself, kind of realize, yeah, these things definitely do impact you when you're older. <laughs> but like the core wound thing, I know mine is a, just abandonment. That's not only from childhood, but it's also, again, from adulthood. Those things, though, it's like, I remember, I mean, I, I didn't even want to like even consider that to be a thing that even mattered when I was younger. And I think a lot of guys are like that. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, we're not thinking about the future when we're young. We're just irresponsible and trying to live our own life and not think about deep things and things that impact the future. We're just, at least for me, I was just living for the moment when I was a kid. I wasn't thinking about any of that stuff. It's a good example of the invincible mask, I think. A young guy is probably identified pretty heavily with the fact that, yeah, all those other people say that their childhoods affected them, but not me. I'll be fine. (laughs) You know? Yeah. I definitely felt like that too, Fuzz. I was like, yeah, I'm not like those other people. Nothing will affect me. I'll be mentally robust no matter what. And it's like, well, as time goes on, it might be harder than you think. Yeah. You kind of have to go there to heal and to get rid of some negative self-defeating habits and behaviors so you can only ignore an issue so long and when you're young like you go through so many transitions i think it's just easy to sweep stuff under the rug and it doesn't bother you as much but yeah i don't know once you get into a part of life where things are more slow moving maybe as far as how your life doesn't change as fast i think you have to really come to terms with some stuff that's going on Mm -hmm. 
That's a good one though. Fuzz. I like that point. I've already shared some of the self-discovery things that I'll try to not be too repetitive in terms of the athlete mask discussion, something I've already learned in my past, but it's very easy to forget it or not believe it is that, you know, you're, you're not alone in your own experiences. And a couple of these masks, one in particular is, uh, you know, I, I shared a couple of things I'd literally never shared before. And it was like, Oh, Th- that my specific story was unique, but like I wasn't the only one, whether it's like struggling with not being good enough or things with the sexual mask. It's the reality that we're not on an island. We're not alone. And when we isolate ourselves or believe that we're the only one that's acted a certain way or believed a certain thought and we don't share that and don't reciprocate feedback, that's when we can really kind of go in a downward spiral. And I think as we have more and more access to things that can just distract us on my way home today, I was a little frustrated with how my day went at work. And I felt very tempted to just like pop in a podcast and just kind of like try to forget about it, even though that doesn't really solve anything rather than try to like uncover why I was feeling frustrated and what other emotions on that good old feelings wheel might exist. And (laughs) I think one thing that's been very good in this process, these last 10 weeks is focusing for an hour and a half. (laughs) Fleds is holding up a, the feelings wheel printed out on the screen. Appreciate that. (laughs) A little blurry, so I can't read it. Just in case. That's a real name. But is um, when we, we connect once a week, we have to read about a mask. And then we have to take time. Like there's no distractions is us talking about that and, you know, peeling back those layers that often you don't peel back. If you just turn on Netflix or you turn on, turn on the new Heights podcast. And it's been a, that's been probably the process for me of like, okay, there's a lot of things to uncover, discover about myself. I'm not alone in these challenges, these struggles and, it's okay to take that time to dig into those feelings, those thoughts and talk about them with other guys and process that. Yeah, for sure. I think there has to be a healthy balance in some of the emotional, like going deep, trying to like fix yourself type stuff. I know for me personally, at least because I like, if I have a problem, I tend to like be like, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to learn everything about it. It's not going to be a problem anymore. So I will like, listen to like all the audiobooks about attachment and you know abandonment wound and like healthy relationship stuff and it's like that's like my world and it's like okay like there's a time and place for like a funny podcast or you know, you know what i mean <laughs> so i think yeah, there has to be balance. a good balance there's like yeah. the balance of being able to go deep but also still enjoy some yeah. Just, and yeah, i think i mean i, I think know. that's like the place where having other i mean as we are on this topic in particular the benefit of having other men who've been through a similar experience to bounce ideas thoughts off of and for them sometimes just to be like you're being really dumb stop like stop thinking that way you know and you know sometimes that's honestly like even though it's not that easy like i'm not trying to oversimplify something but like sometimes like kind of the encouragement from another friend like be like you're the thing that's bothering you is a lie that you're telling yourself and kind of encouraging them and kind of walking through the idea that, yeah, maybe not the thought or the feeling is dumb, 
but you're telling yourself a lie and that's dumb. Don't do that because that's not true of you. Yeah. 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 I definitely was surprised at how defensive I got on behalf of some of these masks that the author was calling out as, as being a negative thing a lot of times, because I kept doing like a thought experiment where I would say, okay, imagine you weren't a good athlete growing up and you didn't identify with that. How would things have turned out? Or imagine you didn't have that skill of making people laugh when you were, you know, in seventh grade and just moved schools and didn't have any friends. Like how would that have turned out? You know? And I kept wanting to be like, Hey, well, this mask isn't so bad. I don't think we should pick it apart as much as we did. But then again, it's like, yeah, that's not an excuse to use it as, as a crutch, you know? Yeah. So I guess one thing in reading this book that surprised me was just my gut response to try and disprove a lot of the points the author was making because I felt like these masks helped me more than they hurt me. But obviously, like when you look back at things, your perspective colors your opinion quite a bit. So like yeah. you kind of have to try and detach yourself from your lived experience and just think about like the point that he's making to the general audience that this book is intended for. And I think once I could do that, every point that he made is totally correct. It's it's just that a lot of times when yeah. we identify with these masks, we don't want to listen when somebody has something to say about them. Yeah. It's a great point. Yeah. Thinking back, I'm glad that Lewis House started with the stoic mask because I think that's the stage for the rest of the book to encourage men to become vulnerable and actually talk about the other masks in the book. Yeah, I think just going through this book, starting off with the stoic mask and taking that off and becoming vulnerable to people. As I mean, it's nothing I've I haven't heard before. It's not groundbreaking, but is a really good a really good reminder to be vulnerable with people and the people that I love and even people that I have just met because that makes it makes conversations and relationships so much more impactful and deeper and more meaningful and putting thoughts out there out onto the internet and public it's a little bit humbling for sure yeah just being vulnerable for other people to hear yeah it's definitely humbling but from that just having conversations with you guys and other people who are just curious about the podcast or have maybe even listened to a couple episodes. It has brought up a lot more deeper conversations just with talking with them. And I really have enjoyed it. So it's it's provided an opportunity to get deeper and create better relationships with, with the people around me. Yeah. That's cool. I could I couldn't agree more. You think it's shifted the way you see yourself a little bit in terms of being the type of man that can feel comfortable or more comfortable just saying some of these things, discussing some of these things kind of on a whim without having to have some sort of a, a reason to necessarily. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I've been more intentional. I, on, I feel like on trying feel like to that. trying to have deeper conversations just throughout the day with Emily or with people that I see on a regular basis. It's uh, it's been easier to ask more meaningful questions to people. I, I I could see us looking back on this book. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's the first recorded, but I think it'll stand the test of time of probably being one of the most impactful books that we read. 
I would agree with that. I don't know. I think for me, it's probably here's my competitiveness, but I think this is probably going to be like the measuring stick for mm. impactful genre, mm-hmm. right? Like clearly like river of doubt. That's more like take you on a journey adventure or whatever, but I could see this being that for us. I, Matt, I, I couldn't agree more. I think going through each of these masks and I, I talked probably more about this book than maybe any other book that I've read with people like, Hey, how are things going? And I don't know, probably one of the top five things that I'm telling them about is this book that I'm reading. And Oh, by the way, we're recording it too. You know, Mm, And, and similar to you, Matt, it's like, yeah, there's been super cool conversations that have opened up with other people about like hearing the podcast or just, Hey, I've been learning about this. And then it kind of transpires and and unravels from there. And I think it all comes back to one of the two main points that he's talking about where it's like relationships really are up there with the things that we want, the things that we care about the most in life. I would have said that and have said that before reading this book and before hearing that point made that, yeah, the more we grow up and the more we have in our lives, the more I realize that I just want more of good, solid, honest, deep relationships with the people that are in my life. I mean, that's a great point for anybody listening. It's like reading the book is one thing, but reading the book and discussing it or having conversations about its contents really takes it to the next level in terms of how much it could affect how you actually act and think about things moving forward, you know? It's good, guys. Let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsors. Have you ever wanted to give a snitch some stitches? Do you ever have people that rain on your parade with negativity? Now introducing Haterade. Instead of giving your enemy a knuckle sandwich, give them Haterade. This specialized formula transforms hostility with love and affirmations. Why get yourself tied up in a civil lawsuit when you can give your enemies Haterade? Haterade. Hydrating your haters with the refreshment of cool emotions. Mm. Nice. But how does it work? (laughs) (laughs) When they're acting up, man, you just give them the haterade and then they're all they're all cool. It's like the Snickers. You're not like yourself when you're hungry. That makes sense. Drink. And now back to the show. Yeah, I I feel like this conversation has been great. We do want to tease out the next book and get a little your thoughts on our next book. But before we do. To wrap up our last episode, do you all have any final thoughts, any final comments about the mask of masculinity? I think that the word vulnerability is a word that is by, for a lot of men, is viewed as a weak word. But I like seeing that this is here, a popular book, popular author. That's pretty much every chapter he's hitting on the topic of be vulnerable. And as Matt mentioned, honestly, like as you, what you mentioned about Stoke Mass, I was thinking it was almost as though it was a, second intro of sorts but the idea that being vulnerable is hard but being vulnerable is like it's going to be better for you you're going to get burned sometimes as a result of being vulnerable but like in general it's going to be good for you and it's going to be people good for the people in your life that's kind of my big takeaway excellent i was just going to say um just a little bit unrelated but i mean since this is a book about mostly just like men's health in general. You know, men make up a big 50% of the population, yet 
make up 80% of completed suicides. 85% of homeless people are men. Hmm. 70% of homicide victims are men. 40% of domestic abuse victims are men. Men on average serve 64% longer in prison. Men on average are 3.4 times more likely to be in prison than women when both committed the same crime. There's just a lot of stats that something needs to change with the way that we handle mental health. You know, Uh, there needs to be better access, obviously, for mental health for everyone. But the first stat alone is very staggering. Like 80% of suicides are men. We don't make up 50% of the population. It's like something's got to change. And, you know, I think it just stems to like asking for help, you know? And I think if you can be vulnerable enough to ask for help, that's a good first step. So I think maybe, maybe this book, you know, maybe this could help somebody be more willing to open up, be vulnerable, take the first step to ask for help. So, yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. I don't. I want to just like to add something to that. As you were mentioning the suicide statistic, what's the reason why, like, when people give that statistic that men commit suicide more often than women, what's the reason people usually say? They say something along the lines of like, "Well, men are more confident, or men are more strong, or more they're more <laughs> like focused or committed to it." And it's just like those are all like really positive words <laughs> you're using to describe something that's very terrible. Yeah, and so it's interesting because right. you're talking about, you know what I mean? Does that, you guys, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I've never thought about it. Like yeah, that. I know what you mean. Yeah. Because it's almost like your positive attributes are increasing <laughs> the likelihood of you committing suicide. It's like actually, what that is saying essentially, it's like actually you're yeah. in an extreme amount of pain, so much yeah. pain to the point where your brain is making it logical that that's the option to take. It's like that's not strength. There's no, there's no good like adjective to place to that. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. there's, you know, it's not weak. It's not strong. It's just yeah. like it's the brain thing. It's not like yeah. It's like that that. <sighs> That logic doesn't make any sense in what you're talking about, Adam, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> My only reservation with the book, I'm making an assumption here. I, I believe it would have been brought up if Lewis was, I don't know what his spiritual religious beliefs are, but there is nothing more masculine than Jesus Christ and God himself. And I would have enjoyed watching it being tied together stitched together with that being involved that if you want to learn about masculinity, you go look at the life of Jesus Christ and you will learn about it. And so I wish that would have gone there. I realize that this is probably a secular book. And uh, I think at this point in my life, I'm more looking for, yeah, personal growth, but spiritual growth, if anything. So I realize that that's maybe not, that wasn't our aim was to go there with this book, but if you want to learn about a man, he's got to be in that conversation. And uh, I wish it would have gone there. I think if there's a, yeah, if, if this was written by someone with like a Christian background, you, I think at least in the Midwest, you could definitely add a, the spiritual mask <laughs> where ironically in the Christian faith, where because of our brokenness, we come to be forgiven and saved yeah, we put on a mask if we have it all together. 
And so yeah. that, yeah. that'd be, that'd be a good chapter to add. Um, yeah. If that, if that applied, I hope that a lot of these conversations continue about any of these topics. I don't want it to be like, okay, we start a new book on something totally unrelated to any of these things. And then we never talk about this stuff. Well, with that, we'll, um, we'll wrap up our discussion of the mask of masculinity and want to thank also our followers, subscribers, and listeners who read along with us as we've talked about today and throughout the course of the episodes in this season. This is one of the more, if not the most challenging book that we've read to date in terms of personal reflection. And we hope it impacted you just as it did for us. We already have our next book lined up for season two. We will read Scarcity Brain, Fix Your Craving Mindset and Rewire Your Habits to Thrive with Enough by Michael Easter. Easter authored The Comfort Crisis, which the guys read as the first book that started this book club. Scarcity Brain released this September, so we're excited to dive in to another book of his in the book club. Who wants to share really briefly, you know, what makes you most excited about this book? Like, why was it your top choice for our next book to read? I'm easily distracted, man. I need to get a handle on that. Me too. And I, like think just book's gonna, I think this book's going to help me figure out some of the ways I can help make things a little easier in that aspect. Just kind of control my time better, be more productive, all that kind of stuff. I think that the, uh, his other book, The Comfort Crisis, that we did initially in, in the book club was probably, for me, one of, the, one of the best books I've read. I think it was just really inspiring, really interesting research that was talked about, and I think really getting at some of the problems about seeking comfort in society. And I think essentially this sounds like it's going to be kind of looking at kind of similar ideas in the area of why people, why people crave things. And yeah, obviously hopefully talk about as I'm sure he will, um, how to avoid, you know, giving into the cravings and to build better discipline, better habits. Yeah. I enjoyed his writing style on the comfort crisis. I've been seeing this book popping up quite a bit doing some of the Instagram stuff and following some book accounts. And there's been a couple of books that I've been coming across quite a bit. And this one I've come across a couple of times. So I think uh, the fact that it's sold out or unavailable at what Kansas city library, Garrett, I think you said, okay, see, yeah. I think that's probably a good sign that this one is being enjoyed rather quickly. Agreed. Agreed. But we hope you join us for season two. We'll take the next two weeks off to rest and spend the holidays with our family and friends. Our first episode of Scarcity Brain will be released on Tuesday, January 9th in 2024. We'll post the link to purchase the book on Amazon in the show notes. Add it to your last minute Christmas list and read along with us. For our first episode, we will read the introduction, our scarcity brain, chapter one, the scarcity loop, and chapter two, how the scarcity loop hooks us from pages one to 37. With that, we'll wrap up this episode and season one of the Books Brothers podcast. We hope you have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2024.